When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. For over 20 years, Dr. James Maxwell and his team at Crestwood Dental have been providing quality care to patients of all ages. They offer a variety of services from cleanings to cosmetic dentistry and restorations with today's most advanced technology, including the most up-to-date lasers, digital x-rays, and impressions. They offer Invisalign and custom aligners with their 3D printer. Crestwood Dental accepts most insurance plans and a membership program for uninsured patients. Schedule today at 314-463-5655 or Crestwood dental.com This is the Last Minute Blues Podcast with Jeff Burton, Donnie Fandango, and former Blues defenseman Jamie Rivers. It is the Last Minute Blues Podcast. Donnie Fandango and Jeff Burton from 105.7 The Point and uh, our former, uh, well, wait, former NHLer, our buddy and team member down the hall at ESPN, uh, Jamie Rivers. Just I don't you were look at me. Firing me. Just there. don't look at me like that, Jamie. Because I can, because we've worked together long enough now at this point where I can feel your looks like burrowing in the side of my head. So, well, I was like former. I'm like, do you know something I don't? Dude, is you know this what? my swan song? And right that's now? a terrible way in this building to start anything. Yeah, really, you know yeah. what I mean? Oh, you didn't check your email today? No. <laughs> that's why I never check it. Okay, <laughs> you guys always like it when I start Johnny, the show off hot. I do. Okay, go okay. ahead. But but I, and I I, want, I got a question for you. He's pointing at me, Jeff. Y- yes, he's reverse pointing at because. Me. You have lived in so many different places, okay? And this doesn't have anything to do with hockey, how we start the show off today. Is St. Louis the worst? Does St. Louis have the worst drivers of any place that you have been outside? Oh, no. No. No, God, no. Really? Like, don't get me wrong. When it rains or it snows, St. Louis, you're representing the awful crowd really well. Okay. Okay. Um, And on some days, you represent the awful crowd really well. But overall, Donnie, I played in New York, okay. for one thing, where you drive with one hand on the wheel, the other hand on the horn. And Boston. And Boston, which was a nightmare because they had the big dig. For anybody who doesn't know that, they basically destroyed all of downtown Boston to build a tunnel and a bridge and all this stuff. So to make traffic better, but for the five or six years it went on, it made it awful. Right. So, which is when you were there, unfortunately. Which I was there. <laughs> it, it would take me... I lived about 25 minutes away. It took me an hour and a half to get to the rink. Man, I could not do that every day. Sucked. Detroit, not great for drivers. First of all, they're dodging potholes, right, all over the place. So it's literally a game like Spy Hunter. Remember way back in the day? Oh, yeah, Spy Hunter was awesome. It's like that. And sometimes there are, like, actual gunshots going (laughs) off. So Detroit is in a class. But way in Quebec, Canada, I don't know if they have a test for driver's license. I think you just, it's a mail-in. Okay. You mail it in and you get back your license. And they're like, go ahead. Right. It's unbelievable. Okay. 
Merge without signals. Stop in the middle of the fast lane. Like, it's just nuts. And every time I go back there, I have to train my brain to be like, okay, we're back here now. We're going to stay 25 lengths behind this car. We're going to make sure that the car beside us can see us because if they don't see us, then they're just going to merge into my lane. It's it's all defensive right. driving. It's all, it, I am there. on defense. Yeah. Okay. Well, then yeah. I th- I need then that is some perspective Did in you which have something this that morning? I needed. No, I just listen. There are my day. I love my days. I have great days. Okay, but there is a twenty five minute portion of my morning and a twenty five minute portion of my afternoon that I cannot stand, and that is the twenty five minutes that I am on two seventy going yeah. to going back home and coming to work. Yeah, it just imagine. feels like a, a battle of idiocy every single freaking day. Oh my god! You know what I forgot? What Russia? Oh yeah, my god! Well, Russia. The story that Riz said was that they had to, that that there's so much. Like uh, like ramming into cars on purpose for like uh, insurance, insurance, insurance stuff, yeah. but everybody's got everybody's got a dash cam. A dash cam. So wow. the, my first experience uh, is I get picked up at the airport and we're on our way to the rink where I had no idea, but I was going to live in the boiler room. I thought I was going to like a nice hotel. No, I went to the basement and like here's a bed and here's a survival kit. Seriously? They, oh, yeah. They put you up in the basement Dude, of the- Dude, the hot water heater for the rink was in my room, and the odd thing is, is we had no hot water at the rink. What? Exactly. <laughs> well, so many questions here. First yeah. of all, uh, if they didn't have- uh, what? They yeah. didn't, what? Listen, we'll, I'll tell you what, I Did promise you- Did you live there the whole time you played there? Oh, yeah. It was like prison sentence. Wow. So now, we'll, we'll do that. We'll have one podcast in the future we'll dedicate to- Rivers Russian experiment. All right, let's, like yeah, it. we got yeah. it. Yeah, there's so many questions, and I I took down like a hundred pages of oh, like notes. It. it was very unique. But now, what was really unique was the driving. It, you know, when you start the Boston Marathon or the New York City Marathon, and everybody's lined up, and they fire the gun, and everybody just takes off. Sure, that's every green light in Russia. <laughs> really, the lines are optional, and that means <laughs> even for like the other side of the road. <laughs> And it was like white knuckled. It got to the point where I would put my head down and just look at my phone the entire time we were driving because otherwise, like it's like PTS. Oh, like, you were you were being driven. You weren't driving. You were being driven. No, so I was just, being driven. So you're just like I don't even want to see. Which is even worse, right? Because now I've got a Russian driver. Yeah. And I don't know. He's in a rush. Every time we get in there, he's in a rush. Russian. Russian rush. driver. Yeah, yeah picked him. I didn't even plan that one. <laughs> We can tell. And so the best part is my brother came over to visit me. And at this point, I'm kind of used to the driving. It is just, it is a jungle. Let's just put it that way. And if you have a fender bender, you don't even pull over. Like, they just look at They're like, okay, whatever. And they just keep driving because it's more of a hassle for them to are pull over. Are all the cars over there just beat up? Uh, there, there are. But then there's a population of, like, the sickest cars you've ever seen. Like, Mercedes-Benz would be, like, two, 300,000 over here. And guys are driving them. I'm like, why would you drive that here? Yeah, right. No, uh-uh. And they're usually the guys that have like three other guys in the car with them that have maybe some, I don't know, guns or two. Gotcha. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Sure. So people you're not going know. Going to a Mensa meeting is what you're saying. People know that those cars, you're like, yee, we don't run into those guys because right. right. we don't make it home. Right. So my brother now comes over to visit me. And uh, I never forget my driver. I We didn't even speak English. It was charades. It was, it was pretty funny. I sent my driver to the airport to get my brother because we had a game that night. So my brother arrives and he takes care of him, took care of him 
great. Gets him in the car, and now it's running late for game time, and he really wants to get back to watch the game. The driver. Now, so does my brother, okay? But not at, like, the risk of his own life to mm-hmm. see the game. Yeah. Well, the driver starts zipping through traffic and cutting in between cars, opposite side of the road, back over. Then he goes, he tries to make it through two vehicles, and my brother tells the story. He's like, we're going, and it's like, all of a sudden, puff, both mirrors are gone off oh the side of the car. Gosh. He's like, that's how close we got. And then... We pull up to the next red light, and the dude without a mirror, and we're without a mirror. The guy's trying to get out and fight the driver. He's like, my driver's put it in park. He wants to get out and fight. The guy's trying to get in the car. I'm in the back seat. Then the light turns green, and everybody just drives away. <laughs> <laughs> so you have until it turns green to beat each other up. Well, because then you lose your pole position. Sure, yeah. Right? Yeah, right. Yeah, and yeah. so my brother arrives at the rink, and his eyes are the size of saucers. <laughs> He's like, what the hell did you just do to me? <laughs> I'm like, do you have I, a nice ride in? Hey, welcome to Russia. Yeah, everybody. can I guess that I was, was laughing? His, was that his only time visiting you over there? Yeah, he got a. F- <laughs> that would actually be interesting as to that episode where we do the Russian experiment. Bring my brother in to tell his side of it because we have a hilarious story. He just became part of the team because there was no communication. They didn't speak English. I didn't speak Russian. So it's not like I say, hey, my brother's coming to town. He's going to be around, blah, blah, blah. So he just shows up. Well, he ends up, up down in the locker room. I told him to bring his skates. He came on for practice, like, after. And they're like, who the hell is this guy? We brought him on the team bus. I brought him on a road trip. The team was like, who is this guy? Who is this guy? Yeah, the checks and balances. It was amazing. So we'll get wow. him on to tell that story, too. But, yes, to, to your point, to, right. to get it back on the rails here, uh, the driving, the worst. I take it back, Quebec. I love you. Je t'aime, mon ami. Russia was the worst. All right. Okay. Again, perspective, I think, is is important here. And, you know, I, I've only experienced St. Louis for the most part. But, uh, you know, it makes me want to pull out the little hair that I have. I, I get you, man. But, you I, know. I come in with hardly anybody around, you know, because yeah. I leave my house at 2.30-ish, 2.35, something like that in the morning. But when I do see cars, immediately you got to make the, you gotta make the uh, decision. Are they trying to find their way home from the previous evening, or are they yeah, going man. to work just like me? Oh, at 2.30? Yeah, yeah, you run the risk of, is this guy blindfolded right now? Yeah. Blindfolded by alcohol? Right. right. If I if I leave at the correct time, any bar that I go by, normally the employees are kind of milling about still. Is that when you put people in your trunk? No, 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 no. That's Sundays. Hey, <laughs> you're like, hey, I'm sober. I'm Uber. I'll drive you home. <laughs> I'll take you home. Quick, no worries. Get in the trunk. And All then right. The, the, the nightmare is is looking and seeing the headlights on the on my side of the highway coming towards me too. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's, that's the other nightmare. So far, so good on that though. Yeah. Well, boys, uh, it seems like over the course of the last, I don't know, week, week or so, that uh, our St. Louis Blues have kind of started to settle in a little bit, and we're maybe starting to see a little bit of that cohesion. That was uh, that that was lacking was missing when the, when the season started. The guys are starting to to put together some good hockey. It looks like yes, and uh, a couple of the players that we were very very concerned about for good reason after the first couple of games seem like they're having fun now. And I saw uh, Hoffman after his goal and actually before his goal, he was actually skating with a smile on his face, which is fantastic. I can't imagine how that changes your game. Yeah, well, look, the one thing too that we're guilty of sometimes is not really diving into the actuality of what's happening in the game. We look at the score sheet. Great, we, great example. Last week or two weeks ago, whatever it was, I said, hey, man, let's get Ryan O'Reilly going. You're like, dude, he's all right. here's, here's what he's really doing. It's just not on the score sheet. And Hoffman, to his credit, still had five points in eight games. 
But we didn't see the big snipe or the one-timer or all the show stoppers we thought we'd see. So we are like, ah, he's underperforming. Right. Oh, this guy, oh, we're worried about Mike Hoffman. He was still like third or fourth on the team in scoring at that point. So fast forward to last game, you know, and I felt like he was really going to have a good game. Just Arizona sets up to be a good opponent for Mike Hoffman to get the shots that he wants. He wants to get four or five shots a game. Can I ask? Can I interrupt you? Because I heard you say on your show, Arizona sets up to be a good game for Mike Hoffman. Yeah. Why is that? Yeah. Good question. Uh, they're a little loosey goosey on the defensive side of the puck. They work hard, but some of their youth, uh, they lose focus. So they they don't lack energy or desire, but they lack sometimes the the positioning of where to be. Okay. And so a guy like Mike Hoffman, he feeds off of that. If you look at the Eastern Conference, a team specifically, he scored big on. Or teams that were like, oh, darn it, there he is, he's open. Oops, it's in the back of the net. And so a less structured team is always a great way for a goal scorer to find the net. And sure as heck, you know, he he does get the advantage or, or the good fortune of the D-man kind of tripping over himself. But that's because Mike Hoffman was busting up the ice with speed. The D-man did, you know, do the old two-step shuffle and end up sideways on the ice. But then Mike Hoffman made no mistake putting that thing top shelf. And if you look at the rest of the game, he had another four shots on goal after that, and I thought for sure he was going to score right away again on the power play in the first period. The puck was finding him. So the combination of playing an opponent that may not be as aware defensively and now getting some of that chemistry with Robert Thomas and specifically Sammy Blay. Sammy Blay is playing really well right now. I just felt before that game, I felt this is a great matchup. This is a good time for Mike Hoffman to kind of pop that goose egg as far as the, the the highlight reel goals. And he did. He did. And I'm sure you have, or we may talk Sammy Blay in a little while, but I want to also bring up uh, Justin Falk, that goal of his. Why that would goal, you bring up Justin Falk? I don't know. What the uh, fuck is wrong with you? That goal. Yeah. And, and one of the things that I want to say is I think the most impressive part of that was the actual shot that he took. Yeah, the zigzagging and the nine of hearts and thanks for coming, all that stuff. But the subtleness of him in that particular situation, flying by the goalie, we don't know how fast he was going with the slow motion, to be able to just bloop in that little bitty area right there and see the goalie's reaction. I thought that was the better part the of the touch play. is what yeah, you're the saying. Touch, yeah. Just the little yeah. flip right what, at the end was amazing. What some people who watch the game don't realize about that is, yes, it was a tremendous move at the blue line, which, by the way, takes some take some big Liberty Bells to do that at the blue line because if you get that puck poked away, we know the result. Oh, baby. Yeah. It's headed back towards yeah. your net, right? So he makes that play, cuts back in, loses control of the puck. He had lost control of the puck. So in that split second, in that two and a half feet between the last defender and the goalie, Justin Falk, not only did he have to regain control of the puck, but now it wasn't in an optimal spot. It wasn't somewhere he's going to make a nice move or make a nice shot. So his brain clicked quickly and said, I just need to flip it five holes. And that's what he did. And the goalie, his stick is down on the ice. The goalie goes down. And when the goalie goes down, the stick always tilts a little bit. So you get a little forgiveness on the height. You don't have to get it as high. And the puck found its way just over and just between the legs as the goalie's going down. So it is actually way more impressive when you realize that he lost control of the puck and it was a total adaptation to the situation on the fly at high speed, and he does that. Can I, can I, I'm sorry, and this is just a this just a real thing. 
How in the hell do you do that? I, I don't like, know. I, I bet he's done, he's practiced it or something like that. A couple that. times, I know, yeah. I've watched that replay ten freaking times yeah. probably. It was just and, – and the shot was right. You're correct. But just the moves, just man. Boop, boop, boop. Like, yeah. how the hell do and, you do that? And super important that you said he had that confidence at the blue line to take that chance. A couple yeah, games ago, would he not, would not have. Not even a couple of games ago. Last year, you'd have seen him fire that back into the corner or just get rid of it or something because – he was living, you know, life on thin ice, and it's tough. And Doug Armstrong, we had him on the fast lane yesterday, and we talked about Justin Falk, and the the number one thing we got out of it is they kept trying to find a spot for him, find a spot, right, instead of him having a spot, which is a big difference. Yeah. And I think that we all lost sight of that. I mean, I thought about it before and about, you know, sometimes it's not fair because a guy like me, I had to play in every position. And I'm like, just get over it. You got to play right wing as a left-hand shot and you're a defenseman. Guess what? Put the gear on and go out there and do your job. Sure. Which is fine. But Justin Falk has had a very uh, solid NHL career in one role. and so, But that role wasn't available to him because there was two guys named Pareko and Petrangelo that were ahead of him in the pecking order. And so they tried to find a spot for him, and he just never quite found his footing on the Blues blue line, and that made it for a tough year for him. Fast forward to this year, he had a couple of tough games to start, a little bit of an adjustment there, maybe some some rust and getting into game shape. But since then, guys, he's been really, really good. Like, boarding on the fact to where I'm like, this guy's, this guy's legit. Yeah. And three goals now, that helps the offensive side. But he's playing much better defensively. He's playing penalty kill. He's stepping up, making big hits. Um, I, I I like what I'm seeing from him overall. I have a really uh, terrible time in judging defensive talent on the blue line. If we can go back to our conversation last week with Marco Scandella, <laughs> but I'm curious. <laughs> but I, yeah. I, I'm, he's I'm, only viewed as the number one <laughs> shutdown D right sure, now. <laughs> sure, sure. Uh, but I, I would like to ask about the play overall and your thoughts of Colton Pareko. So Pareko, to me, I think that there's an. Uh, there's another situation where everybody put this pressure on him, right? You are now Alex Petrangelo. Good luck. Well, he's not Alex Petrangelo. Sure. He's not. He doesn't have all of the same tools. He's got some tools that are better and some tools that are not up to Alex Petrangelo's level. So it was unfair. And I think that the first few games, the young man was putting a lot of pressure on himself. He wanted to be a difference maker. Then he may or may not have had a little injury. And that's kind of prohibited him a little bit in some of the things he can do. He's played through it, which is very honorable of him to do it. But he's had a couple of maintenance days. But last game is the first time I've seen to I'm like, okay, the injury must be going away. He's getting feeling better because he was like Happy Gilmore. He was feeling the flow, baby. And he, I mean, he was dominating. I thought he had a fantastic game. On the O'Reilly goal, we were talking uh, just a few minutes before we started here that it kind of seemed like one of those uh, get the get the puck deep, F1, F2 goal kind of thing where Pareko just took it up, left side, dropped yep. it off to Kairou. Kairou could have very easily shot that, I would think, and I almost would have rather him to because of how hot he is right now. But then what a great pass to O'Reilly buries it. There's so many levels of – great on that play and this goes back to one of the biggest strings Colton Pareko has is his he's the one-man breakout 
Okay, and what I mean by that is he can get the puck and skate it out of trouble like all the time. four steps and he's across the blue line. Four steps, he was at center ice. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I meant their blue line. No, yes. you know what I mean? no, we laugh about it, but it's true. So yeah. try to chase this dude who's 6'6 with that kind of speed and that kind of reach. I, I don't know how the guy didn't just slash him and get it over with and right. take the penalty because I would have. But he, he dominates down the wall. The guy can't keep up to him. He makes a nice little play to Cairo, who recognizes, first of all, that his backhand is facing towards the net. So for Cairo to get a real shot on net there, he either has to cradle it, quick backhand, which is not a high percentage play, or cradle it, try to turn and get a shot where the D-man was right there within stick length uh, distance away. So what Cairo does is he recognizes this, and then peripheral vision and the sound, you can hear Ryan O'Reilly coming. So as he pulls it, looking like he's going to shoot, the D-man commits now full body to, we're going to take away the shot, he pulls it back and just lays it out to Ryan O'Reilly, who's coming down Broadway and hammers a one-timer to the back of the net. So there's so many levels of greatness on that goal, starting with the one-man breakout, Colton Pareko. Now you pass to the young player who has enough offensive awareness to realize his percentages right away on the fly of what he's doing and that what's available to him and at the same time look off the defender as if he's shooting to get him to freeze so good. and move it over. And he's like 15 years old or something. And, and, so, and so we're talking about this, and the team is playing better, and we're starting to see these things for our team that we love. And, oh, yeah, by the way, guess who's skating this week? Number 91. So it's, it makes me drunk with giddiness that, <laughs> yeah. that, 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 that he's, still, he's still out there. Is there. And I know we talked about this, I think, one of the podcasts last week. And there's no timeline for, for, for Vladdy at this point. But, I mean, what are we looking at here realistically? Is it another month? Is it another two months? What are we, what are we looking at? Well, he's supposed to be reevaluated in February. Okay. So February's a short month, right? So let's see where that falls. I don't know the exact date. I do know he's skating. And just the other day, he was allowed to handle a puck. We're, taking, we're, we're staying away, or they're staying away from shooting pucks uh, for the time being, but I would imagine it's going to be baby steps here. Sure. A a couple of reasons though. Okay. One, you want to make sure Vladdy's a hundred percent healthy. He's had three shoulder procedures so far in his career. And the last one, albeit it's not the same as this one sometimes. And for our listeners out there, when you get injured in one spot of your body, the rest of that area tries to compensate and sometimes weakens the other areas. And so maybe Vladdy came back too soon. I don't know. Not for like doctor's orders. I don't think the doctor's messed up, but maybe his body. Sometimes you don't know until you go full bore. Yeah. And and so maybe there was some compensation, and that's why maybe he ended up injuring the other part of his shoulder. But one thing, too, is, and I don't suggest that they'd hold him out on purpose, but you're going to want to hold him out to he's 100%, and you're going to hope that your team continues to carry the ball here so that you have less cap gymnastics to do when he's ready to come back. Because when Vladdy comes back on the books, that cap that cap hit returns to your lineup. So therefore, some one's gotta go. Maybe two gotta go at that point to make room for Vladdy. And so it's a strategy here. Yeah. You know, if he's ready to go and he's a hundred percent and you can use him, then Doug Armstrong, I know, would welcome the opportunity to make some tough decisions. There's no doubt. But if you're forcing him back in the lineup, you make some tough decisions, 
and then for some reason he gets re-injured, now you've made tough decisions and you've weakened your lineup. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So the big thing and that I can't stress enough is the patience side of it. Like in the fast lane, we're selling T-shirts right now. Be patient. Be, that was, I saw that, yeah. That was for the Cardinals. Yeah. And obviously being patient got us Nolan Arenado. But I think right now for the Blues, too, be patient here in, in bringing back Vladimir Tarasenko. And I would assume I need to be patient when I bring up uh, Sunquist. Because he seems to be getting the chances, but just, again, not on the score sheet as much. But tell me he's yeah, fine. Yeah, he's fine, okay. man. Craig Berube loves this guy. For and I do, too. I just don't want to start worrying about him. He He's yeah. playing great. He seems Jeff, to be playing, playing well. Jeff, on him. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to text him and say, settle down. (laughs) He actually told me to have you quit texting him. Um, It's mostly the pictures that disturb him. (laughs) Now, no, Oscar Sundquist, he's getting the chances. They'll start to go in, but he's way more than that. You know, he's your steady Eddie, your fourth line, third line, second line, whatever you need out of him. He's your centerman. He wins draws. He blocks shots. He penalty kills. Heck, he gets hit in the face with sticks, teeth are falling out, and he's out the next shift. Right, yeah. Yeah, he, he's a team favorite, a coach favorite, and he does so many things. To the, the Ryan O'Reilly comment or the, the discussion we had a couple of podcasts ago, he's like that. There's he's so fine. many things that go under the radar that he does in a game that you're like, okay. he does. So he doesn't score 11 or 12 goals this year. Let's say he doesn't, right, which would be the equivalent of like 20 in a real season. Big deal. Yeah. If if in an 82 game season I can get Oscar Sunquist to score 12 to 14 in 82 games, that's massive. Yeah. Because everything else he does is so is so great for the team. You said steady Eddie reminds me of a uh, uh, today is the anniversary of Joel Edmondson coming to St. Louis to get his ring. His ring, yeah. And because it'd been the first time Carolina when he was with Carolina yeah. at the time. Did anybody see the post today about it? You know, there's a little video of him getting his ring. Yeah, I saw. I, I mean, I watched a little bit. I didn't see the whole thing. Well, it, it was just the, the the picture he posed uh, with all of the players. None of them will be on the ice this evening for your sake. Oh yeah, <laughs> that's right. It was Steen, Petrangelo, and Tarasenko, and Joel Edmondson. I looked at that one. Man, this team has actually changed Had pretty some changes, much. Yeah. yeah, it's changed pretty crazy, right? Now I did see him pose. See in '91 in a suit. Yeah, no kidding, yeah. right? Yeah. Although he looks good he in looks a suit, oh, he does. He looks Fan. better in a Blues jersey. Yes. But Joel Edmondson yesterday, to his personal account, he posted a picture. So not one year, or not the anniversary of him getting his ring. But he got something else yesterday. He got a Maserati. Oh, oh my. You know what the best part is? He got it for free. What? Yeah. Do, well, do they have any more of those? He's playing in Montreal. Remember we talked about this? Yeah. The Montreal Canadiens, right? Well, guess what they, they like to do up there? They like to outfit the players from head to toe in clothing and in cars and everything they do. The companies that are local, they do it on purpose to grab a player and be like, you're going to be our Maserati guy. You're going to be our Hugo Boss guy. And so the players, that's one of the benefits of, like, Toronto and Montreal. You walk around making a great salary. So these guys don't need to get the handouts. But they like them, and they get stuff for free. And Joel Edmondson posing with his Maserati. He's like, hey, thanks to the guys at Maserati for my my fresh ride. Dude, that's amazing. Which, by the way, kept playing hockey. Which, by the way, (laughs) he's playing fantastic. He he actually Him and Jake Allen are playing fantastic up in Montreal. They're number one in their division, and – yeah, they're lights out right now. I, I will always root for the Canadians, and one of these days I'm going to get a Canadians jersey. That's just a thing of beauty. That, get, I mean, that sweater. Get the Rivers one. Get the. I would do that. I would absolutely represent that way. Hey, so get a real your, player. Your brother that. played there. Yes. <laughs> get a real player from that team. Hey, I, Jeff and I were talking about this right before you came in the room uh, about Phil Kessel. Uh, uh, with, with he Phil plays the thrill. Right, so he plays. 
he's a tremendous hockey player, but he seems to get traded a lot. And he kind of always is a guy where when people are talking about him, it almost seems like they got sort of a smirk on their face when they're talking about him. But when I'm watching him the other night, he's a freaking unbelievable player. What's the what's the holdup with him? How much time we got on this? Oh, oh we boy. Got, uh, we got about 20 and, and Jeff, minutes left. And just to let you know that Jeff and I kind of uh, theorized that it could be that his defensive game is not near as strong as it needs to be yeah. to, to make him the, the sort of dominant player that he could be. But, man, you see him unleash that shot, and you're like, God yeah, but, dang, no wonder that you scored so much. After he scores, when everybody's saying, hey, go, he, he looks like he's a Thursday Night Beer League guy. He really does. And I, I, oh, yeah. I, no, I, no, I don't no. mean that disrespectfully to him, but my goodness. Phil Kessel is one of the most talented players in the league. And for having a dad bod, he sure can move out there. Uh-huh. And he, he can fire the biscuit and score goals. His biggest problem is he's hard to deal with. And he's not a jerk, right? He's not like that guy that's an outright jerk in your locker room or jerk to the coaching staff. He's just that kid. If you're a parent, you have that kid that it's always a why. Okay, but. So every time the coaches have him, it's like, you know, you, you got to be defensively. Let's just bring up an example. You missed your guy. and you, Okay, but why did we not get the puck? I can't – I got to rely on this guy. It's always like a temper tantrum. Uh, and he's not trying to be a jerk, but it just gets – after a while, you're like, this is this is laborious to deal with this guy. And the teammates feel the same way because he'll come back to the bench and be like, do you not see me? Like, I'm uh, wide open. that guy? Oh, really? Yeah. Uh. And it's – the funny thing is it's not meant with malicious intent – it's just that it gets old so fast because guys do that. They do come to the bench hot and be like, dude, I'm wide open or you got to have your guy there, you know, and you have a little F you back and forth and everybody sits down and we're back to business. But when it's every other shift mm. or every other that period, wears on you. it wears you down, man. And so the teammates start to be like, oh, my God, like we love Phil. Guys like to hang out with him. He's a funny dude, but it just wears on you and wears on the coaching staff and – you know, so he so he wears out his welcome, and then they yeah. move him. It, I mean, is what it is. Why he, else does a star player like Phil Kessel move so much? Yeah, why does man. a star player not? Is he not the level of no trade? No, he's not. You okay. would not give that to this individual. Okay, okay. This because is, of those reasons, yeah. maybe you give that. <laughs> look to, at the look on his yeah. face. No. <laughs> you give that to this guy, no. and now you're married to your problem. Right. Sure. So, no, that's why you know he didn't stick around in Boston. Um, then he moved to Toronto, and that was just like, that was just an abrasive relationship. It was like petting a porcupine for Phil Kessel with all the media and all that. That's they, what I was going to ask. And was they the sucked media? at the time, so everything, all roads led back to Phil Kessel, and he was just sick of it. So that wore out its welcome quickly. On to Pittsburgh, they had some real good success there, but again, it, it was just like abrasive all the time and laborious for the coaching staff and. He was fighting with Malkin, and they played on the same line where they're incredible together, but neither of them could get along with the other guy type thing. Like a great rock band where two people hate each other, but they make sweet music, you know? Yeah. Uh-huh. And then he moved on from from Pittsburgh to Phoenix now. And he's doing okay, but he's got Rick Tockett there. And Rick Tockett's a guy that's not afraid to kick him in the ass to smarten him up and had, and had him as well in Pittsburgh. Mm. So there's some, some familiarity there, but I do know that he's, he's wearing, now, oh, it's, it's starting to get tense. 
when uh, when the f- season first started, we talked, and I'm gonna I'm gonna ask you this probably every podcast, maybe every other one uh, about the uh, schedule being a bit grueling, that sort of thing. The team is rolling, the goalie is rolling. Do we still see uh, Huso tonight or anytime soon? Um, I wouldn't say it's out of the question tonight, um, but I do look at the schedule moving forward, and I see Colorado twice on the weekend. So Huso makes sense tonight. But then now one of the games against Minnesota got canceled because of COVID reasons. They've uh, they've had an outbreak in Minnesota. Apparently it can survive in cold weather. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, I guess, you know what, if I'm Craig Berube, um, now although Craig didn't listen to me r- last road trip, I told him to play Huso first and play Bennington second. They just went on to win both games. Whatever, Craig, <laughs> you know, just one-up me on that one. Um, but I do think tonight is a good night for it. However, what – what makes me pause a little bit is how quickly Arizona came out the other night against the Blues, and the shots were 12-2 to 2 at one point, and Jordan Bennington saved the day. So do you want to put that pressure on Huso? Because the last time you played him, you did the same thing to him. You did the same thing. Anaheim yeah. came out, guns a-blazing, and Huso, uh, he gave up one, but then he held you in there. Um, yeah, you know what, Jeff? I think it makes sense for Huso to start tonight because in the two games on the weekend, you're definitely going back to back with Bennington. But okay. but but okay. But are you going? Are you for sure going back to back with Bennington with all the injuries that yes. Colorado has, even with Nathan McKinnon maybe not playing? Donnie, how important are those four points? No, they they are. translate to eight points. Do you know why? Hold on, I know that I should know this. Because, well, it, it's because not only are you gaining on the team in front of you, but then you are separating. Separating yourself from the team behind you're, you, you're double dipping in the points, is what you're doing, right? They can't, they don't, they get zero points. You get two points, and it's a game played for them. So that gives away if they have any games in hand or things like that, right? They've burned a game with zero points. So at the end of the season, when 56 comes up as a total, if the Blues are able to win six of the eight games against Colorado, that's huge, right? No, no, and I get that, but I, okay, but seriously though, I don't understand why you wouldn't. Wh- why would you let? If you have a okay, let me just put it in this terms, okay? If you're in a fist fight and you have a guy down on the ground, okay, and you have a chance to put him out, okay, to be done with it, do you let him back up and let him have? What if he? What if you let him back up, invite him back to the fight, and now he knocks you out? I see what you're saying. You have an opponent down with injuries, dude. I'm, I'm not stopping until they rip me off that opponent. I got it. Like that's it. You want to put the? I understand now. Like Doug Armstrong said, the knife through the skull and twist it. I got it. But then, but okay. What but, he said, Jeff. But then, I didn't but, say no, that. you didn't say that. But I then you yeah. almost have to start Huso then tonight, then because you yeah. got to get him in. Well, you, you do, or you keep... just say we've got days in between here, and, 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 that and you're like Bennington, the Bennington rest. wants to stay. In the action here, you know, you had that one game missed in Vegas. He split the games with, uh, with uh, who the heck did we just play last? Uh, the Ducks. And so Bennington really hasn't had a ton of action. So maybe you say, you know what? Let's keep Binner going here. The workload's not crazy right now. I could see it both ways. Right. Let's also talk about his last game, too. And I don't remember the, how to pronounce the guy's last name, but it's, it starts with a C, and he plays for the Coyotes. Uh, Caligula or something to that effect. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the the Cajulia. Cajulia. That's it. I you knew I would not Dude, remember right. it at all. Dude, I liked your version better. Thank yeah, you. Have you ever better. seen that movie? By the way, <laughs> holy cow! Um, the 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 shot, the rebound, and then I mean it was buried, and Bennington comes over with the glove and makes a hell of a save on on. It's just unbelievable. Maker. This that's the kind of crap that wins you championships because it's not the goalie that makes the routine saves; it's the goalie that makes the saves that save you the game. 
And at that point, you know, the game was not out of reach by any means. No. The Blues were on a power play. Um, Vince Dunn did a fantastic job of trying to keep the puck in off a crazy turnover. Yeah, he's swimming around on the ice up he here. He blocked the one, tried to swim around, and they still got it out. And then Bennington comes up with two huge saves. If you flip that and they score there, that's a big swing of momentum. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we talked about this yesterday on the fast lane with Doug Armstrong. And this, you guys will like this, okay? Uh, Army gave us a little nugget yesterday. I asked him flat out about Jordan Bennington. It's in the last year of his contract. I said, Doug, when is a GM willing to start thinking about an extension for someone like Jordan Bennington? Of course, he said, look, nothing is cookie cutter for a GM, and we keep our business internal, which he does. Right. I didn't expect to... To You're get doing too many, your job. you were doing your job. Well, I got to ask yeah, him, what if he's absolutely. having a day? You know, what if he's had a little cough syrup and he wants to tell sure, us a little something? Yeah. Not that Doug would do that, <laughs> but he did give us something. He he went on to say that look, at Jordan Bennington is a guy that we want to keep here. He's won us a Stanley Cup, and he goes. Also, we're looking. You know, we want to really make sure we keep Jaden Schwartz. And so I was like, oh, yeah. I now was like, somebody said his name. I was like, what was that, Doug? And, you know, he just went on to say that both players have a, a great resume with the St. Louis Blues and that three or four games, good or bad for these guys, is not going to uh, make or break the negotiation. Um, that he just is looking forward to keeping both guys, retaining both players as St. Louis Blues. Now, that doesn't mean it's a it's a done deal. It doesn't mean he's talking to either player's agents right now. I do think if we backtrack it, though, I do think Bennington is a massive priority, a massive priority. Hundred percent. One, he is exactly what we thought he was. And if you go back last year, and I it drives me batty to hear people say, "Well, he had a bad year last year." No, he no, didn't. he didn't. No, he didn't. He had a bad playoff. He had right? a bad bubble. A bad okay? bubble. The yeah. team had a bad bubble, but he wasn't alone. Yeah. yeah. So he had a bad bubble. That's fine. It happens. But leading up to that, the team was first in the conference. He had 30 wins, only one of three goalies to have 30 wins. And his save percentage was good. And this year it's carried on. Again, he's been huge. Five on five, he's one of the best goalies in the NHL. So you look at that and you go, okay, so if we let Bennington go or if we lose him for some reason, what do we have? (sighs) You've got Billy Husso. I like Villy. I particularly enjoy his interviews. He's done a very good job <laughs> at interviews so not. far. Um, but I'm not giving him the keys to the kingdom, saying you're our guy between the pipes when you have Jordan Bennington, who currently wears your jersey, who currently plays for your team, who has a big relationship with this team and a Stanley Cup and the fan base. I'm making sure I get that deal done first and foremost before Anything else happens. I have just two things real quick, Jeff. One is Bennington, to me, is the first goalie since Curtis Joseph, and, and I could be wrong, but the first goalie that we've had since Curtis Joseph that can make the save that he shouldn't make that saves the game, like what you were saying. We, well, we, Grant Fuhr had a good run. He oh, was older. Yep. Yeah. Uh, but Fuhrzy right. was in that prime, guy. In prime, though, in his prime. But you're right with Grant Fuhr, and I kind of forget. I don't know why, but I forget Listen, that. played, what, 77 games the one year for Unreal. us. Unreal. Yeah. And he made saves that were incredible. Talking about a dad bod. Yeah. Right? And this dude would get into the splits with his dad bod. I thought he was dead. He's flopping around making incredible saves. But to your point, so we isolate Cujo and Fierzy. 
Do you know how long ago that was? Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's been a. It's, it's been, a, been a long time. It's been any, a long. Anybody who remembers the name Grant Fuhrer and that was a casual fan of the game, look into that dude's life. First of all, super sweet man. I mean, a very, very genuine person who kind of had it handed to him in the press afterwards, as far as the coke stuff and all that kind of stuff. Well, mid career or mid career. Yeah, mid-career, sorry, I heard about it afterwards. Sorry. Look, I, I'm not going to dive too far into it here mm-hmm. because it's really not my yeah. position to do it. Right. But he took to heat for a lot of people. No, okay? he he took, he said it on the show, so it's not like it's never been said before. He took heat for a lot of people when that whole cocaine thing went down. Yeah. And that's why Grant Fuhrer found his way back into the league very quickly and back into good teams very quickly is because he was, you know, that dude who yeah. who didn't talk, right? Yeah. And, sure. And he got he got obliterated for it in he the did. media. They he just did. gave it to him. And I'll tell you what, without Grant Fuhr as a part of the St. Louis Blues when I started my career, I don't know if I get as comfortable as quickly. He was just amazing. Like you said, always positive. Always positive. Always Always positive. Genuine with his surprise that people wanted to see him, meet him, whatever. He was like, I'm just a hockey player, man. You know, that kind of guy. But as a young D-man, we see it now. We we critique Vince Dunn. We We critique Justin Falk, right? You're susceptible to mistakes because the guys on the other team, well, they're pretty damn good. Yeah. And that's their job is to make you look stupid. I remember passing the puck through the middle of the ice, guy knocking it down all by himself with Grant Fuhr, and he'd fire it and fears he would like make a save. And then like the next TV timeout, like I'm just sitting there, oh my God, like I'm never gonna play again. Pack your bags, this is over. And he'd be like, huh. Hey. Probably won't do that again, eh, buddy? <laughs> hey, we got that one, didn't yeah. we? Like, oh, we made we made the save on that. It he, was that's the other thing that I just now just popped like into my head. I was okay. He yeah. always says we, by the way. Yes. You know, like, hey man, you had some really great success. Yeah, we did okay. You know, that's literally you could go back and listen to the interview of him where however long ago it was. Man, you had this, you did this, you did Yeah, we did okay. You know, that's that was just his attitude. And I'm he, talking like he died or something. No, no, <laughs> you no. You know what I'm saying? He, he's still alive and well yes. and he's still doing I gotta very well. I got to get that book. I I still haven't gotten that book. I, and Which I got, one? Uh, Fuhrer's book. Didn't he put out a book or he did put they out do a, a movie. or was it a documentary yeah. that, that was about, It's called Making Coco and it's worth your time. Yes. Yeah. They have it on Apple and you can download it. That's why it. he was in the studio. Okay. That's yeah. why he came in. Yeah, yeah. Uh I think he came in with Stalter and I the one time and I don't know if he came in with Riz yeah, and he you did. guys. Yeah, so he, did. he was doing the tour that day. I got to I got to watch that. Uh, I have not done that. But honestly one of the best guys I've ever played with and he was very instrumental in bringing me along so much like he would hold court in the back of the, oh, the plane imagine, man. and he would send the you know the stewie we flew uh, we were past commercial at that point we would flow, fly some charters and she'd come up and tap you and be like uh hey jamie grant would like to see you in the back and the first time i'm like oh boy you know i know i had a few giveaways and no oh, i don't know go back there and he'd be like grab a beer or grab a cocktail let's chat and so we'd sit back there and I grew up watching Grant Fuhr. And so I was like, I had questions, like super fan questions. Yeah. Like, I can't tell you how many glove saves I made against my brother in the driveway that I was Grant Fuhr. Sure, yeah. And so, you know, I'm sitting there and, and just picking away and asking about the Oilers and this and that. And this is before we got Gretzky, right? So I'm asking questions about Wayne and, and just everything to do with the Oilers. And he's sitting there giving me information. And then he would just tell stories. And I was like a sponge. I was like, this is great. Now, meanwhile, I'm like half hammered or more at this point because <laughs> I'm not leaving. Sure. Two reasons. One, Grant's telling good stories, and the other one is it's free alcohol. Right. So I was like, this There's is no great. no reason to move. But he was instrumental in that. So then it got to the point where 
you know, once every couple of road trips, we'd go back and we'd call it, you know, holding court back there. And so then I would tell some stories about junior and stuff and that, and then more guys would come around. And before you know it, everybody's having a couple of beers, telling some funny stories. And now the young guy who is the the young guy, right? The rookie. Now I'm part of the group. Right. And it was all Grant Fuhrer that I, I don't know if it was a master plan or if it's just like who he is, but it made the adjustment so easy. And, wow. and it was it, it was it a, uh, a, the visual is the young guys up in the front. Yeah. Oh yeah. And everybody else in the back. And, and that's when why I came was, in, the young guys Grant would like to see you now. When I came in, the young guys up at the front and you're doubling up in the row. Like, I don't care if there's 50 seats available. You don't get one of those. Wow. You double up in the row and you shut up and you don't look back. Oh, you can't look back? Don't look back. It was, like, not a mean thing, but to be like, hey, eyes front. And it was just, it was the way it was. Yeah, I mean, you just, I mean, it's part of earning your... It it wasn't malicious. Nobody, like, came and tried to fight us or do stupid crap or, you know, it was just part of the fun for them was, hey, rookie, eyes front. But how, how do you know that, dude? How do you know when you get on that first charter to not go in the back? Well, I left home at 15. So you had already had, right. I, I now knew my that. brother, four years older than me, he played junior hockey when he was 16. I was 12. I learned. Because mm. then he's like, oh, by the way, rookies are to be seen, not heard. Uh, you don't sit at the back of the bus. You don't sit at the back of the plane. And you don't voice your opinion. And you make sure you're last off the ice. You pick up all the pucks. Your first guy on the ice, making sure that everything's set up. You get all these little rules that, they're not written down, right? And it yeah. was way more intense back then. Times have changed. Trust me. Yeah. Uh, and in some instances, for the better. Some of them I liked, you know, having that discipline and earning your way into the group. But I had a huge, huge phone a friend, which was my brother. Mm. And so that once you establish that your first time, like I was 15, got into a junior hockey locker room, I knew what I was doing. I step out of line. I knew I picked up the tape in the room after, like all of the things that you're supposed to grab the bags off the bus, stay, make sure you're the last guy off the bus, clean the bus, pick up the garbage, all this stuff. And so that just translates to the NHL. Now the little menial tasks get fewer because there's lots of people around, but there's still the concept of, you know, earning your way. This is not just a given. This is a privilege to be on this team and in this lifestyle. Yeah, I was going to say, you got to grab you know, planes or do something like, or, you know, clean up the plane or something. You're still on the plane with Grant Fuhrer, for Christ's sake. And it's a year. You know? Man. It's a year of your life, maybe two, if, you know, there's no other rookies around, which we had very few back then. And the other rookies get it. If they don't, you educate them because they'll they'll hear some rumblings in the back and be like, grab a guy like Harry York. You know, Harry York was the greatest guy, guy I ever. I don't know why. I just love that name. And that guy, I just see the hair flying when he was skating down the aisle. But Harry didn't get it, right? Really? Like, he just what? not because he didn't want to, he just didn't get it. So mm. you grab Harry and you're like, hey, dude, this is why this is happening. You know, hey, stick around. You can't be first guy off the ice. You can't be the first guy up at the team meal eating all the food. You got to wait, you know, just wait your turn. And then, you know, so the rookies help each other. The veterans then notice the effort. And that's when, like, things start to happen where you start to get included more into certain things. And it's I, just listen, a little reverence. Man, nothing all you needed. nothing yeah. bad ever happened to me in any capacity at any level I ever played at. But there was a certain level of earning your stripes uh, in order to be, you know, a full-time part of the group, which, quite honestly, guys, that's in every walk of life. No, absolutely. absolutely. I was just thinking that same way yeah. for, for us in radio. It's boys. defined differently, but yeah. for you guys be like working the night shift on the weekend, you know, or doing whatever that, or grabbing whatever hours you can to 
get and then all of a sudden you get a bigger responsibility and all of a sudden you're part of it all of a sudden you're your own show or whatever yeah but he didn't just start there yeah, well, I mean, that's I mean, when I started, I don't know how you started, man, but I was doing anything anybody asked me to do. 100%. If it would keep me in the building and around the building, then I was going to do that. The first three years I was in radio, I ate uh, Thanksgiving meal at Shoney's in Springfield, Missouri. <laughs> underrated, and I, though. And I was okay Underrated. With it. Underrated, yeah, because it's super easy to dine and dash there. <laughs> well, that is the Last Minute Blues podcast. Again, just a reminder, we're doing these new episodes on Mondays and Thursdays, so make sure you're checking for those new episodes and make sure you're sharing with your hockey-loving friends the Last Minute Blues podcast, all right? Donnie Fandango, Jeff Burton from 105.7 The Point, former Blue defenseman, uh, Jamie Rivers, and team member at 101 ESPN. And as always, let's go Blues. The Last Minute Blues Podcast. Hear more at 1057thepoint.com. Peloton, let's go. This holiday, with the right music and the right motivation from world-class instructors. We're going to pick it up a notch. It's the holiday season. You might just surprise yourself with what you're capable of. Work out to thousands of live and on-demand classes, from running to cycling to yoga. Try Peloton risk-free with a 30-day home trial. New members only, not available in remote locations. See additional terms at onepeloton.com slash home dash trial. Peloton, motivation that moves you.